Good morning, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon History Podcast. It's Thursday, so this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode sometime in the last 10 years. Thanks for downloading, and I hope you enjoy our show. This story was first published on May 23rd, 2010, under the headline, Rajneesh Blend of Spiritualism Grabs for Power Left a Bad Taste. Here we go. In the late summer of 1984, things looked pretty good for the Vagwan Sri Rajneesh and his followers. Homeless people from all over the nation had been invited to Rajneesh Puram for the Share a Home program. Thousands were brought in, swelling Rajneesh Puram to 7,000 or so, a substantial slice of a county with just 12,000 voters or so on the rolls. The Vagwan called this an act of charity. Critics charged he was trying to pack voters into Wasco County in order to take the place over. Then, Secretary of State Norma Paulus changed everything by stopping all voter registration in Wasco County. She assigned a fleet of lawyers to interview each would-be voter, and determined that that person actually intended to live in the county. Essentially, she was calling the Vagwan's bluff. Oregonians would now see whether share a home was a high-minded act of social conscience or a disingenuous and cynical grab for power. Roughly three weeks later, the answer came by the busload to downtown Madras as Rajneesh Puram spat out the remaining homeless people. The Vagwan and his number two, Ma'anan Sheila, Sheila Silverman's Sanyasin name, had promised them bus tickets back to the cities they came from, but that wasn't what they delivered. They were just hauled to Madras or the Dells or Bend, and they just booted out on the streets. The Salvation Army ended up spending more than a hundred grand taking care of them and helping them get home. Oregonians dug deep to help with the crisis, too. In Portland, disc jockeys at the radio stations KGON and later KZOO made a parody version of the 1962 Tommy Rowe classic Sheila, called Shut Up Sheila. It was released on the B side of a 45 RPM record. On the A side was Rajneesh Dangerfield as a single. Proceeds of the sale went to benefit the homeless. Ignorant bigots, ignorant bigots, ignorant bigots, you people are... 
about the same time, someone connected to Rajneesh Param spritzed to the salad bars in the Dalles with cultured salmonella bacteria, apparently in an attempt to depress voter turnout in an election. About 750 people got sick. This rumored and later proven Bioterror Act put the stink of criminality on the group, and even more Sanyasins left, and contributions continued to plummet. The Bhagwan's fleet of Rolls Royces, now up to 93, stopped expanding. Then, in 1985, Ma'anan and several other leaders suddenly fled to Europe, and the Bhagwan announced that she and her cohorts had tried to poison himself, his physician, the Jefferson County District Attorney, and the municipal water system at the Dalles. He also made a claim that seemed utterly ludicrous at the time, but is somewhat chilling today. He alleged that she planned to crash a plane full of dynamite into the courthouse in the Dalles. From her new home in Germany, Sheila was firing back with everything she had and blaming it all on the Bhagwan. But it was just about that time that the criminal charges came through. Immigration fraud, burglary, racketeering, arson, and attempted murder from the Salmonella outbreak. The Vagwan drew a 10-year sentence suspended if he left the country, which he did, vowing never to return. Sheila drew a 20-year prison sentence and was fined half a million dollars. The Vagwan, after changing his name to Osho, yes, that Osho, died in 1990 of a sudden heart attack at age 58, leaving behind more than 650 books, transcriptions of his lectures and discourses, which have since been translated into more than four dozen languages. His stock as a guru has never been higher, and hundreds of thousands of people come to his Osho International Meditation Resort every year. In Oregon, though, his name is still mud after all these years. Key sources in this story have included works by Bill Gulick, Rachel Graham, and Robert Hillman. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. What you've been listening to is one of more than 550 stories originally created and published as newspaper columns in first-run syndication between 2008 and today. You can read them all at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulplet Productions, pulp-lit.com, a boutique publishing house owned and operated by yours truly, specializing in audiobook and multimedia editions of the work of the classic pre-war pulp writers. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license type CC by SA 4.0, which basically means you can do anything with the content you like, so long as you A, give me credit for it, and B, whatever you make is also released under a Creative Commons license. But... If you need a waiver to either A or B, hit me up, fj at offbeatoregon.com. I've never said no yet to a request for a waiver of one of those conditions. They're generally there just to prevent me from accidentally authorizing the reuse of something I don't actually control the rights to. A good example might be a photograph used by special permission of the rights holder. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. Episodes of Offbeat Oregon History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every single weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.